Welcome back for Shir 24, which is actually a special Shir. It is the concluding Shir of Sefer Yoshua. It's hard to believe that we've been doing this for 24 weeks. We, start, we started back at the beginning of January. Um, really wasn't sure where this was going to go, but Baruch Hashem, we have successfully navigated uh, Sefer Yoshua, and we are we're at its conclusion. So for those of you that have come through to the very end and are finishing this at or around June 11th, which means that you're even up to date, a very special Mazel Tov. For those of you that are finishing this at a later date, it's nonetheless a Mazel Tov. You, you've completed Sefer Yoshua. Our learning is dedicated to Lili Nishmasa for Rabbi Yaakov Alevi, Lucy, Maya, and Rina D. Yerifua Shlema for Tila Batia, Bechaya Tova, Brachavi Gaila, Rachlokita, Yiditi Chaim, and Adid Gurt Bechaya, Mochali Malach Alevi, Ben Basha, Shalom, and Chaya Sara, Shimon, Ben Elka, Shadokham for all those in need, and as a Mazel Tov to our group on finishing Sefer Yoshua. There's a second speech. Last week we did Parachov Gimel. It was Yoshua's first farewell speech. Where that happened, perhaps in Timur Cheres, not 100% sure. But this one is easier because the Pasuk tells us, that Yoshua collected all of the Shvatim and brought them to Shechem. He spoke in the, uh, he spoke to the Zekenim, the heads, to the judges, to the officers, and he placed them all before Ha'el, before Ha'elokim, before God. Good question. What exactly is going on here? I think that as the shear goes on, as we learn the parak more and more, we'll, we'll kind of get a sense of what is going on more and more. But this should feel somewhat Yoshua Benu-like. Yoshua calls all the people, it brings everyone, they're all there, the top to the bottom, all the different people. We have everyone included in Pasuk Aleph. But the question that I want to ask, in addition to why a second speech, which I don't think we're going to get to until much later, maybe even towards the end, is why does he choose Shechem? So the Radak offers an answer. He says, Vasfam Yoshua Vishchem, below Shiloh. He gathers them in Shechem and not in Shiloh. Shayai Aaron Sham. The Aaron was there. Perhaps the reason why the Brit, this covenant between God and the Jewish people, was taking place in Shechem. It is the first place, it is the first point of entry for Avraham when he comes into the land of Israel. That we know from Parshat Lech that when Avraham is traveling from where Kastim, from Haran, and he ends up in Eretz Canaan, his first stop is Shechem. That's also a place of a great miracle for Yaakov Avinu. Just the thought of being in Shechem should bring back those two experiences. Entry into Israel. Miraculous things that happen for Kalal Yisrael. And when they think about that, what happens? Creates a dveikas Hashem. A real connection with God. The ode, ki tchila danach Yisrael we have to remember that Yaakov Avinu's first Nachla 
the first moment that he took any piece of the land of Israel, but Yaakov is ultimately going to be the Bnei Yisrael, and that is where he actually, where um, Yaakov says, I'm saying, says, to get rid of any of the idols from your midst. Yaakov said the same thing in Shechem. And we're going to revisit that last piece when we get up to the Pesukim that actually deal with it. But so far, it seems Shechem was chosen for either of two reasons. Either it is a place that is rich in Avraham Avinu, or it's a place that's rich in Yaakov Avinu. There's another possibility. For those of you that are already thinking, where else do we know Shechem in Chumash? There's one more. So I'll give you a couple seconds to think about it. But Shechem, we have another one. And that, of course, is Yosef and the brothers in Shechem. I'm going to come back to that as, as we conclude, perhaps to tie it all together. But why Shechem? Is there another reason for Shechem? Is it perhaps that there is a simpler reason? So if you take a look at the picture on the left, that is a picture that was taken back in, um, back in November, December time on the, uh, the Siyum of the first, uh, the first run through Nevi'im Rishonim. That is a picture from Har Grizim as it's overlooking the city of Shechem. And uh, you can see the mountain in the back left, that's Har Ebal. What's I think significant about that picture is, uh, besides the fact that it is personally a very special picture, but you can, you can gain a sense of the breadth of size of Shechem. Shechem is a huge, huge area. So if you wanted a place where you can put a lot of people, Shechem would be a great place for it. So you're going to say, but who cares? Israel is full of a lot of other big open areas. Why specifically there? So one of the amazing things is that the acoustics in Shechem are unbelievable. It's really, really incredible. You can actually hear a lot of noises that as they're amplified and projected from, the, from Shechem, they go pretty far because of the mountains and the surrounding area. So perhaps just from a practical standpoint, the reason why this made sense, why go to Shechem? You go to Shechem because it's an area if Yeshua is going to speak, he's 110 years old, he's at the end of his life, at the end of his career. It is perhaps a place where he can easily convey his message without straining too hard to be heard. Okay. Pasuk bet. So Yeshua says to the people saying, listen, I'm going to give you a history lesson. You want a history lesson of the Jewish people in a nutshell? Let's go back to the very beginning. Your forefathers were Be'ever and Nahar. They were the other side. Who Who are your roots? You want to know who you really come from? Come from Terach. Who is Terach? Terach is the father of Abraham. He's also the father of Nahor. And what did they do? They were idol worshippers. Even, even Avram Avinu, perhaps at, at, at a young age, was an idol worshipper. He came around, but that wasn't where he was at the beginning. And certainly your grandfather and your uncle and so much of your family, that's who they are. 
And I took your father Avram, from that side of the river, and I brought him to Eretz Canaan, and I made his children great. Now, Avram has a lot of children, but the key part is I gave him Yitzchak. Yitzchak had Yaakov. Yitzchak only had Yaakov. Hmm, not really, right? That they sav. And Esav as well. But remember that Esav got Har Seir. That was his inheritance. He's near Israel. He's not in Israel. And Yaakov and his sons went down to Egypt. Now, this should sound incredibly familiar. And it is. Because these are the Psukim that we have in the Haggadah, at, at, at the beginning, our forefathers were idolaters. So we go through, we go through these psukim. And then I sent you Moshe and Aaron. And what did they do? I came and I, 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 I defeated, I, I hit the Egyptians with all kinds of mako, and then I took you out of Egypt. They came to, they left Egypt, they came to Yamsuf. They chased them with chariots and with uh, with the, the the horsemen that were going to right the the army to Yamsuf. And you cried out to God, and I placed between you and Egypt darkness. And then what happens? I'm bringing you to, uh, I brought you to, they were covered up and they, and they died and you were, in the, you were in the desert for a very long time. And I, you then went to the land of Emori. Amuri, the land of Amuri, is not in Canaan. This is the land on the eastern part of the Jordan. And you, you fought against them. And you, you beat Sichon and Og, and you wiped them out. And then Balak comes and he fights with the Jewish people as well. And he called Bilam ben Boor to curse you. And I did not allow myself to listen to Bilam. And you were blessed and saved from his hands. over the Jordan, you came to Yericho. And what happens? You fought against all the nations. Interesting that Girgashi is listed here. Girgashi actually, according to uh, every other place, Girgashi had left. So why are they included here? I don't know. Sarich you and we'll have to think about that. I sent before you the, I, God says, I sent before you the hornet. And they chased away these people. Now, we just learned, say, for Yoshua, and there is no um, evidence of this Sirah, although in Parshat, I believe Mishpatim, Shmot, Sefer Shmot, we're told that there's going to be this Sirah that will do miracles 
and wreak great havoc upon the um, the nations of uh, the land of Canaan. But maybe you can argue that what really happened here, the, the way Yahushua fought, a lot of it was just miraculous. So they didn't really um, do that, but they won. Now, the Mitzvah's David says, no, we're still, even though we crossed over the Jordan, this Pasuk is actually going backwards. And it's talking about how you beat Sihon and Og. And that's a little bit easier because we don't really have a Sihon and Og as much of a story about how they're defeated. You got a land that you didn't do work for. You get the cities. Remember, the beauty of the land of Canaan, the way they conquered it, was so often the nations, think about, let's say, the Battle of Ai. The people come out of this city, um, the northern kings, the southern kings. So often they come out of the, they come out of their cities, they form a conglomerate, and they their alliance attacks the Jewish people. The beauty of that was that the Jewish people rout them, and then you walk into a city where the tables are set, the food is in the fridge. You're really inheriting fully built cities. And you sat there. And the produce was stuff you didn't plant, you didn't work for, and it was just there. We just got ourselves a pretty quick synopsis of Jewish history. We go back to the earliest Jewish history. Starts with Terach. Yes, Terach is our, our forefather. We normally talk about Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, our three forefathers, but maybe we have four forefathers, Terach included. And we we are are. It's important to note that Esav is a legitimate son of Yitzchak. Avram's sons are not mentioned because they don't matter. It's only Yitzchak is only the only legitimate heir. Esav is a legitimate son, and yet he's banished. He goes to Har Seir, and you go down to Egypt. Why is that important? It is important because what it tells you is that Klal Yisrael is Zochet, the land of Israel, from Yitzchak and not Esav. They go down to Egypt, Moshe Aaron, the Exodus, we leave Egypt, the splitting of the sea, the defeat of Sihon and Og, Balak and Bilam, the crossing of the Jordan, the conquest of the land. But I do ask you, what's missing? Now, you'll tell me there's a lot of things missing. Amalek. A lot of the other little battles that happen in the desert, you don't see them. Yeah, you get Balak and Bilam at the end. Yes, you could see Sihon and Og, but there's a lot of other things that happen. The Mako maybe are only touched upon peripherally, but they're there. But there's one event, and it's a really big event. It's completely missing. Not even hinted at. No illusion. And what's that? What's that event? That event is Matan uh, Torah. I think that we have to ask ourselves, why is that? Why is Matan Torah missing? Matan Torah is the whole reason that we live. The whole reason that Klal Yisrael exists is nothing. Not even mentioned at all. So I want you to put that in the back burner. We've got now two questions in the back burner. Why Shechem? And why no mention of Matan Torah? Pasuk Yedalit. Yoshua continues. You should fear God. What he did for you. Vivdu Oto, Betamimu Vemet. And you should worship him, 
with, with purity and with honesty and with integrity. We came back to this. This puzzle, this puzzle should sound familiar. Yeah, Yaakov says the same thing. Also in Shechem. Their connection. What is that connection? Get rid of the foreign gods, the foreign thoughts that you're that was were worshipped in Terach's time and in Egypt's time. Worship God. Let's remember the Torah what Yoshua says to the Jewish people. Let's remember that your roots were rather humble. Twice. In Mitzrayim, you went from being the sons of Yaakov, the sons of the Avot, to being worship, to being idol worshippers. Yes, there were things that you did better. You didn't name your kids Egyptian names. You maintained fidelity to your spouses. Yeah, those are great things. But you worshipped idols. You were on the 49th level of Toma. Egypt was on number 50. There's not that big of a difference. And then Pasuk Tetvav. Now Pasuk Tetvav is a hard one. And if it's bad for you, you don't want to worship God. Pick someone else. Who do you want to worship? What does Yoshua say? Pick your gods. You want to worship those gods back from Terach's time? Fine. You want to worship the gods from the Amori? Fine. But I want you to know that I along with my entire household, my family, we have decided we are going to be Navodat Hashem. We will be worshiping God. I want to ask you a question. Do I have a choice? Really? Do I have a choice? Yoshua is saying to the Jewish people right here, I want you to know that you have a choice. I laid it out for you. God was good to you. God took care of you. God did great things for you. That's one choice. But you can choose the other gods. It actually, one of the Mepharshim makes a connection between here and Eliyahu. Eliyahu says similarly, and, and it's also on a mountain range. Says by Hara Carmel, Why are you dancing back and forth from one side to the other? Great. But pick one, God or Baal. Is there really a choice here? Do the Jewish people have a choice where they could really say, okay, you know what? We bow out. This last couple of years have been great, Yoshua. 14 years conquering the land, dividing the land. Adkan Akafa. We're done. We've actually decided that God gave us the land, but now we are going to pick the idol of choice and worship it. Is that really an option? So Bahadan quotes the Ralbag. The Ralbag says, No, you don't have a choice. What do you mean? God is saying you can opt out? No, it's a warning. If you were to choose that, Path it is a path of destruction. That's one possibility. Rabbi Hatton also quotes the Mari Kura. Couldn't find it inside. The Mari Kura says, No, you actually have a choice. 
guys have to decide what you want to do. Yoshua says, I've made my choice. And my family has made their choice. We are going to be worshipers of God. What you want to do? I don't know. It's not my problem. You choose. Why is that? Why do they have a choice? Why would the Marie Crow offer a choice? Okay. Let's put that on the back burner as well. We move ahead to Pasuk Ted Zion. Vayan ha'am vayomer chalila anumazov with Hashem lavod Elohim acherim. Say, God forbid, what do you think we're going to leave? Going to worship idols? It's God who took us out from Beit Avadim. What did he do? He made these incredible, incredible miracles. And he was so good that he took care of us this entire way. Let's remember that for the majority of the Jewish people, their experience with God starts at some point in the desert. And they look and say, you know what? Where did, we, where did God enter into our lives? We were in the desert. We had no water. We were in the desert. We had no food. We were in the desert. We had no GPS. God gave us all that. We had the rack. provided us with water. We had the, the man. It provided us with food. We had the Anane HaKavod. It provided us with shelter. We had the fire and the cloud that guided us. God, you are our everything. And then we came into the land of Canaan and continued to do the same thing. The older, the older generation, remember, all the men that had been 20 at the time of Yitzhak time were all dead. But you had people, the very oldest people here. Remember the end of slavery? They remember the Marco. They remember Yitzias Mitzrayim. They're saying, "God, what do you mean? How could we? How could we forsake the God that was there for us every step of the way?" And He took care of us not only the whole way that we went, but every nation, every place, everyone that we interacted with, we were there. We will also worship God because he's our God. Sounds like a beautiful answer. That's right. God, we are with you. God, you're incredible. God, you're amazing. God, we, how should you think that we would leave God? It's a beautiful answer. So the question is, is this a good answer or a bad answer? If you turned to someone and said, I want you to choose. Shem, idols. And they gave this answer. Would you feel that that is a good answer? Or a bad answer? So let's listen to Yoshua. Because Yoshua is going to speak. And when he speaks, we'll see what he feels. He can't worship God. He's holy. He's vengeful. Or, I don't know, vengeful is the right word, but he's, he's jealous if you're going to worship others. And uh, he doesn't tolerate your sins. I, you're going to leave Hashem. 
and you're going to worship foreign gods, he's going to do bad things to you. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu gave a speech like this also. It's called Parshat Azinu. He says, I know it's going to happen. And he's not talking at the end of days. He's talking at the end of their days. It's not going to be that far off. If, if, the, if these people that are speaking here don't sin, it is their children and certainly their grandchildren that we're going to learn about next time when we hit Sefer Shoftim. So I ask the question. From Yoshua's response, it seems like he's not a fan of their answer. He's saying to them, no, I'm sorry. Your answer is not good enough. You said you're going to worship God. No, why not? What is wrong with their answer? So they respond back. What do you mean? You're telling us that we're going to forsake God? No, we're going to worship God. What in the world is going on here? What is their debate? What is their discussion? So I want to share with you a beautiful idea by the Malbim. The Malbim says, we got to look at these psukim carefully. What's Yoshua's problem with them? He says, I know why. You listen to your answer. How could we not worship God? How could we not be honest and true to God? After all, God is taking care of us every step of the way. God is our everything. He's our Force, our source of food, our source of everything good. He's our conqueror. He's our secret weapon. So Yeshua answers back to him. I know what you're saying. You're saying that you don't want to mess with God because you don't want God to punish you. That God, your relationship with God can't be transactional. It can't be the reason why I love God is because God is good to me. Because what happens with God is not good to you. It can't be I love God because God showers me with everything I need. What happens when I don't? I'm currently in the middle of reading for the umpteenth time Yafa Eliach's Hasidic Tales of the Holocaust. And when you read the stories, yes, most of the people in the stories survive. And because it's Hasidic tales of the Holocaust, it's a lot of them are the Rebbes that survive. And of course, their faith in God survives also. Yeah, the Rebbe of Bells might survive, but he lost his entire family. It's very hard. It's very hard if you believe, if your belief in God is based on this transactional feeling of you do good by me, I'll do good by you. It doesn't work that way. If that's how you worship God, you're actually, it's an amazing line by the mountain. You're not a Oved Hashem. You're Oved Hatzmo. You're worshiping yourself. You're doing all this so that you'll have good. He's not saying you can't worship God. He's saying in that way, 
You want to know what's going to happen? Fast forward. You're going to eventually forsake God. Because God eventually won't give you everything you need. And God will eventually do something that you're going to be so ticked off. You're going to be like, I don't need you. I don't need you, God. I'll figure it out. That is Yoshua's answer to the Jewish people. What happens is they say, no, it's Hashem Navot, we will. We will worship God. It's fine. Okay. So then what is this? Then we, we're, this is, a, I'm witness to the fact that you've chosen God. This Pasuk has actually two, in my mind, it has two connections again to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's not a surprise that Yoshua, at the end of his life, he channels Moshe Rabbeinu into this final speech. But what is he saying? This, the, the heavens and the earth, you're going to be the Edim, the witnesses of what? That you, that you have chosen God. But not only that, how many times in Sefer Dvarim does Moshe Rabbeinu say, you need to choose. What are you going to choose? Choose life. What's life? Life is God. And remove the idols from your midst. Now, what does that mean? Could possibly be that the Malvin would say, that you should get rid of this false sense of belief in God. This belief in God of transactional relationship, get rid of that, but worship God fully with all your heart. Pasach of Dalid, by Yomruha Amel Yoshuat, Hashem Elokeinu Navod, Vakolo Mishma. We will worship God and we'll listen to his voice. Now, seven Ishma, again, it sounds like this. Seven Ishma. What are those words? Those words are Sinai. The Ralbag says, what is this whole story about? It's actually a Sinai. Sinai story. We're going to get back to that a little bit more at the end, but aren't you wondering, why does Yoshua leave out Sinai of all the events? Yoshua leaves out Sinai because he says, this is Sinai. We're going to do our Sinai again. We're going to do it differently. Yoshua carves, he cuts a brit with them. On that day, he makes for them choku mishpat. Choku mishpat. Do you know those words, choku mishpat? You know where they are? So some people might be like, I know it. I've seen those words before. According to the Balat Turim, it's actually three times in Tanakh we have the words Chokum Mishpat. Gimel Mesoro. Hacha ve'idach Yoshua ve'yasim l'chokum Mishpat k'shchem. Here, k'shakara brit Yisrael made the, 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 the brit with the Jewish people. And this, it's interesting because this Balaturim is actually not found here. It's found in um, the first place. What is the first place? 
Oh, sorry. Give him some hacha. First one is um, by um, by Mara in Perak Ted Vav Pasuk Chafev Shmo, and then there's ours as well. The Idach Lomod Yisrael Chokum Mishvat BeEzra. The third time is by Ezra. Ma'im Nanulam Chukim Mishvatim Afi Yoshua Ki Iru by Bo Bayom Nitnalam Etorah Shekipu Avodah Hashem Techein BeEzra Nitchadisham Tab Shel Torah. What happened? Chokum Mishvat by Mara was the Jewish people. It's pre Matan Torah. They had no mitzvot. God says, Sham Samlo Choku Mishpat Vesham Nisau. God gives them some mitzvot. It's the beginning. It's the pre Matan Torah. That's the first one. The second time, second time is what? Is here. This is this, another Matan Torah. And the third time is by Ezra. All three of these are Matan Torahs. All three of these are Matan Torahs. There's a big difference between them. See, at Sinai, we might have been given a choice. Do you want the Torah, yes or no? And the Jewish people say, Nasa Benishma. Of course we'll take it. Nasa Benishma. Of course we'll take it. Do the Jews really have a choice? Do the Jews really have an option to walk away? They're in the desert. Chazal tell us that Kafalim Harkagigit, the mountain was over their head. Held over their head. Do they really have a choice? Did they really have an option to back out? No, I think we'll pass. According to the matters, the mountain would have fallen on their heads. But think about it. Even if the mountain wasn't really on their heads, the mountain is figuratively over their heads. They're in the middle of the desert. They're food. They're water. They're clouds. Everything is dependent upon God. If they walk away at this point in time, God says, fine. No problem. Three million people in the desert will figure it out. Turn off the water. Turn off the food. Turn off the clouds. How long are you going to last in the, in, in the elements? Unlikely. That says so many of the Mepharshim explains what's going on here. It's Har Sinai 2.0. But Yoshua says, and listen, you actually do have a choice then. You know your choices? You can go back to your, te- your, your ha- homes in the houses that you didn't build, in the fields that you didn't plant. You could live a good life. And no one will know. You don't have to for you don't have to choose God this time. It's an option. Do you want to choose God or not? And so that is Pasuk Fafek. He writes these words in the Sefer Torah Lukim. It's a good question. What does that mean? There, there is a machloket in the Gemara, famous Simchas Torah Torah. The last eight Psukim in the Torah, who wrote it? Who wrote them? Did Yoshua write them? If Yoshua wrote them, this actually would be where he wrote them. He concluded the Torah and he gives the Torah as he's done. Moshe Rabbeinu did the same thing. Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm done, I'm retiring. Here is the Sefer Torah. Yoshua is passing on the same thing. He takes the, a big stone and he places it there. Um, underneath the, uh, a tree? It's the name of a tree, says Sion. It's in the Mikdash of Hashem. The Malvim tries to explain what's going on here. In, in short, he says that this uh, this stone will be in the Mishkan Shiloh, and it will be the uh, the testament to the fact that the Jewish people accepted the Torah. This will be 
a, uh, a testimony that you have accepted the Torah, the words of Hashem, and it'll be there just in case, just in case you decide that what? You no longer want to, you no longer want to worship God. And Yeshua then sends everyone home. Everybody goes their separate way. Yeshua dies as 110 years old. It's an interesting nedrish, which I think we touched upon earlier. We're not going to uh, really fully explore it again. But Yeshua lived to be 110. He was supposed to be 120. He lost 10 years because he didn't uh, he didn't move as quickly as he possibly wanted. Uh, it's a little hard to see. Yeshua seems to be the ultimate leader that does everything God wants. By Oto. Oh, and he's Ever If you remember 24 weeks ago, Pasuk Aleph Sefer Yoshua, how did it read? Not so easy to find Pasuk Aleph. Moshe Ever Hashem. Moshe is the Ever Hashem. And who is Yoshua? He's Mesharet Moshe. It's come full circle. It's the affirmation. You have succeeded. You are the Eved Hashem, just like Moshe Rabbeinu. Baik Beruoto, he's buried. He's buried in Timatserach. By in Harafraim, which is to the north of Hargaash. Okay. By Yavodisal, Hashem Kolimei Yoshua, Kolimei Askinimit, Asher Harichu, Yamim Acharei Yoshua. And for the entire life of Yoshua and this Canaan who lived onward after Yoshua, they kept the Torah. They did everything that God wanted from them. But keep Pasuk when we get to show them next time. But Atzmot Yosef Achar Lubenei Yisal Mimitzayim Karu B'Shechem. And the bones of Yosef that were buried as well in Shechem, maybe they that was bought from Yaakov and Chamor Bishchem and Meak Sita for a hundred Sita. And Yosef's children got it as a Nachala. Remember, Ephraim was a shavit of Yoshua. Yoshua was buried in Timacharis, which is also in the, the land of Ephraim. Yosef would be buried there as well. The Lazar ben Aro mate, not in the same area, just to clarify, as, Yo, as Yo, Yo, Yoshua and Yosef were in the similar Nachala, but not the same city. The Lazar ben Aron. And Elazar, the son of Aaron, made Vaikroto Pinchas And he was also buried in the same area in the valley of Pinchas, The next generation is, is, is gets his Canaan to get Pinchas, but Elazar and Yeshua are dead, have died and are buried. Now the question is: who doesn't belong here? What doesn't belong here? I'll tell you who doesn't belong here. Yosef, what is Yosef doing here? I understand, Yo, Yo, I understand that Yoshua is buried. Of course Yoshua is buried. Why? He's buried because he died here. Elazar. He also, he died. And this represents the conclusion of this generation. Yosef. Was Yosef just buried now? I mean, they had, our, they had Shechem already. They conquered it. Why is he buried now? So, We've got ourselves a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Why Shechem? Why Yosef? Why Matan Torah? Why all of those things? So I want to share with you a beautiful answer. Remer, 
quotes Rav Tzvi Yehuda Akohen Cook, the son of a rabbi, um, Yaakov Rav Cook, father, the son of Rav Cook. What does Rav Tzvi Yehuda Cook have to say? Rav Tzvi Yehuda shares a beautiful idea. This is what, what do you mean? Really, the Jewish people had a choice. Yoshua says that choose God, don't choose God. What does that mean? They really were going to walk away? There's no way that God was going to allow them to walk away. So he suggests something unbelievable. Unbelievable. He says when we, when we see someone, there's two ways to see a person. It's not a great picture because it's already fuzzy. But when you see a person's face, you immediately recognize who they are. But when you see someone from the back, it's not as clear. I don't know. There are other people that have that build. There are other people that have that walk. There's a lot of reasons why it's not, the right, it's not that person. You have to work a lot harder to see, to recognize, to acknowledge that you're seeing someone you know. Cook suggests something unbelievable. The cook says that Yoshua is saying to the Jewish people, listen, you have two choices. There's two ways that you can interact with God. You can interact with God in a way that's panim al panim. You look at God from the front. You have a strong belief in God and everything that God does. Typically, that's the way the Jews interact with God in the land of Israel. See, feel, know, recognize the hand of Hashem is very clear. Sister Cook, there's another alternative. The other alternative is that you can see God from, the, from behind. It's a way of seeing God where it's not as clear. It's not as apparent. You don't feel that closeness. You don't feel that bond, that relationship with God. Generally, that's the relationship. That's the feeling that people have towards God when you're living in Chutzlaretz. If Cook says that the Gemara says, that if you live in Chutzlaretz, it's as though you have no God. He suggests that perhaps that's, the, that's, that's what it means. It doesn't mean you don't have God. What do you mean you don't have God? Of course you have God. You have three times a day. And you're doing Torah, Bodeh. Communities of, of very, 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 very mitzvah observant people of Chutzlaretz. He says that the, the way you feel God, the way you see God, is you're looking at God from behind. You don't see that connection, you don't see that closeness that you have with God. That, says Cook, is the, the difference. That Yeshua is saying to them. Yeshua is saying to them, choose a path. How do you want to interact with God? Do you want God to be this God that is so close and you really feel he's a part of your life? Or is God someone who is, yeah, bigadol, I know there's God. But bigatan in every moment of my life, it's me and all that. Which one is it? That is what he says. So listen to what, listen, why is Yoshua put off by the answer? Because 
It's because of all the good things that God did to you. You didn't get it. You don't understand the Torah to Aretz. You do not worship Hashem Biglal. Pause. We don't worship God because of what He does. You have to have a relationship with God that's straight. It's not if you do this and this and this, then fine. But if not, no. When they say it's it's simple. I'll worship God. Yada Yoshua Shayisrael Tamo Sov Sov Tamu Sov Sov Tam Piriya Shal Eretz Yisrael that Mashmutal Shal Kisha Bilti Am Zayit Imubono Shalola. Then he said, "You tasted it. You're finally getting the Pirotarets, the fruits of the land, the essence of the land, and that is the fact that there is a direct connection with God." Perhaps that answers some of our questions. Why is it done in Shechem? And why does the story end with, with Yosef? So again, it could be that there is something about Shechem and the fact that Yosef and the brothers, and it all started there. That doesn't tie into worshiping God. That ties into be good people, get along. And we saw that a lot in the fact that the Nachla of, of Yehuda and Yosef are back to back. But maybe there's something about Yosef. Who is Yosef? Yosef is, says Rabbi Hatton, the symbol of Jewish success. You could make it. You could achieve in life. You could be the viceroy of Egypt. But you never forget where you came from. Claudius, you're going to become a nation. You're going to take over the land. And eventually, the penultimate, Shlom Amel's time, you're going to be an Or Lagoyim. But never forget. Never forget where you came from. Because if you forget where you came from, you won't remember where you have to go. That, perhaps, is the reason why Yosef is introduced. Yosef is a person that represents that. Yosef gets it. Yosef is able to achieve so much, and even with all that he achieved, he never forgot where he came from. Just a nar, every, just a regular person. Maybe that's why it's in Shechem. And maybe that's the purpose of this second Matan Torah. This Matan Torah is meant to be something that is more you, not what God could do for me, what I could do for God. I want to share with you, perhaps, the last message. The last message that Yoshua says as he's breathing his final breaths. The Torah only needed, Chazal tells the Gemara Nedarim, we only needed, not for the Jewish people sinning, Hanach and Sefer Yoshua. Why say for Yeshua? It is the value of Eretz Yisrael, says a remer, that's taught through Sefer Yeshua. 
it teaches us that the amazing qualities, the physical qualities of the land, really aren't mentioned in the in the in the book at all. So only at the end, when we talk about the unity of Torah, the land, the people and the land in this natural harmony that exists, we, we see the value of Eretz Yisrael. This is the pinnacle of Sefer Yoshua. You take the Torah. It's not in Torah. You take the people. Everyone is there. And you take the Lamb. Maybe that's another reason for Shechem. Shechem is a beautiful, wealthy land. You take it all together. You say to Kalal Yisrael, this is what can be. If you have Torah Hashem with Am Hashem and Eretz Hashem all together, sky is the limit. Yeshua's parting message to the Jewish people in Parach of Gimel and is you have unlimited potential. You could be so great. You could do so much. You could be a Yosef and then some. But if you want that to be the case, you want that to happen, you have to do something very, very important. And that is you have to remain steadfast in your belief in God, the Torah, and the land. And it can be unwavering. You have a little bit of a drought, you still believe in God. You have a, a battle of, of doubt in God, you still Derech HaYeshira. That's Yeshua's final message. Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov in concluding Sefer Yeshua is with uh, tremendous excitement and nachat that I say we really learned Sefer Yeshua in depth and well. And Mirz uh, Hashem will continue next week. There's no, no breaks. We will continue next week with Sefer Shoftim. Have a wonderful week and continue walking in the ways of the prophet.